0: right can we start now (laughs) I want to welcome every one of us to God's presence and I want to start by praying Lord we thank you for this wonderful morning we thank you because you made this day I will thank you for the privilege of coming into your presence Lord I ask that you speak through me Holy Spirit not of myself but of you let your word come out with power And let your word that goes forth, O God, not return unto you void, but accomplish the purpose for which it is sent, O God, to build up our lives, to establish us in you, and cause us to draw closer unto you. Thank you because you have a plan for the nations. And thank you because we are a part of this plan. In Jesus' name, amen. Right. So we have been looking at the Bible, the word of God from Genesis. And starting from creation till now, we have continued to see the weave of God's interaction with man. And the stories we've had from the past few weeks, for those of us that are familiar with storytelling, we have been seeing the plots, the epic, the twists, and the turns. And today's message is another plot in the continuous story of God's unwavering Love for man, ensuring that his original plan is not thwarted, despite giving us the free will to make choices. Just as we saw in the story of Adam and Eve, that led to the fall, and it also what led to the destruction of the world by the flood. So today we'll be continuing in the series on beginning. I'll we'll be focusing on Genesis chapter ten and eleven. In the message titled, God's Plan for the Nations, I would like to invite Caroline to come forward and kindly read the key text for today. Yes, It's on the screen, so it should come up.
1: This is, this is the account of Shem, Ham, Ham and Jephthah, Noah's sons, who themselves had sons after the flood. These are the clans of Noah's sons according to their lines of descent within their nations. From these, the nations spread out over the earth after the flood." Now, the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, Come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used bricks instead of stern and tar for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heaven, so that we may make a name for ourselves, otherwise we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speak in the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them there over all the earth and they stopped building the city.
0: Verse 9. Oh. Sorry, my
1: Bible app has just gone. I can read it up there. That is why it is called. Ba- Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you. So we can see following up from the story of Noah and the flood where we looked at God's plan reaffirmed with the saving of Noah's and his family through the ark. Chapter 10 that we just looked at, even though we did not read the whole thing, gives us the ancestral list of Noah. So we had a long list of names, which were people's faces there, and they were real people like you and me, because from verses 8 to 9, we see the face to a particular man called Nimrod, who was the giant. He is said to be the architect of the tower of Babel, and that is going to be our focus this morning. So with this long list of names was Noah's family three, And you might be wondering why is this of importance to us this morning and why is this something that we should be interested in? I'm sure we're all familiar with what family trees are. Knowing where you come from, for some of us dating back many years, could be interesting and very important for very personal reasons. And we also know that ancestral tracing is now very popular. On the TV, we do see persons trying to trace or reconnect to long-lost families, some with success, and some not. It's also always very emotional, but I was hard work mean, and a wonderful reunion when separated families reunite. So if we look at the ancestral tree in Genesis from verses 1 to 34, it gives us a very important information for every one of us that sat here this morning, and it tells us, Who our great, 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 to many numbers, our great, great grandparents are for every one of us. Our great, great grandparents. Why would you say that? In verse 32 he says, These are the clans of Noah's son according to their lines of descent within their nations. From this, the nation spread out over the earth and after the flood. From some, I'm very sure your thoughts are, really, every one of us from the same family? And I say, yes, really. And as creepy as it may sound, if we look at Luke chapter 3 from verses 23 to 38, it provides a similar long list linked to Noah. And Noah is mentioned in verse 36, And in verse 38, Adam is said to be the Son of God. And what does that mean for us Christians sat here this morning? It gives us a confirmation that we are all truly brothers and sisters, children of God, our Heavenly Father. And what makes this more interesting for us as Christians is that we're not only children of physical connection through Adam and Eve and Noah. But because of our faith in Jesus, the relationship is even more unique because it's a spiritual connection. If we go to the next slide, John chapter 1 from verses 12 to 13, we see that when we become Christians, it says we are not children born of the husband's will, but of God. But I want us to keep our focus back to Noah after the flood, when God reenacted a covenant with Noah, God again repeated his command to him in verse 9 in filling the earth after the flood. But did that really happen? In verse 11, we see a twist to the story. Nimrod the giant came into the scene, whom though is not mentioned in the verses we just read, but he was believed to have been the leader that led to the building of the tower. The people got the idea to build a tower that will reach up to heaven, and that's in verse 4. Then they said, Come, let us build a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens, so that we make a name for ourselves, so that we will not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Three things come out that I want us to focus on this morning, from the many things that are in these verses. The first one is the power of unity. The second one, understanding purpose. And the third one, the birth of diversity. So let's look at the first one. The building of the tower was possible because they were united in the purpose to do it with one mind. And that tells us a positive thing from the story. And that positive thing is the power of unity. In verse 6, we see God saying, nothing they plan to do will be impossible. And David, in Psalm 131, verse 9, does describe it this way, how good and pleasant it is when God's people dwell together in unity. And going further down to the end of it in verse 3, he said, there the Lord bestows his blessings, even life forevermore. And Jesus, in Matthew chapter 18 verse 19, did say, "When we agree on Earth, whatever agree on Earth is agreed in heaven." So when we are united, the impossible becomes possible." But let's look at the project at another angle. Innovation and creativity was displayed, considering the level of this development at that particular time. They decided to use baked bricks. Instead of stone, I would have wondered that it might have been better to use stones. Anyway, they decided to use bricks and they decided to use tar. And so that means making the bricks, baking it, digging for the tar, and then the work began. And we're told that the work began and they started building brick by brick, put the tar brick by brick, and they had a target to get to heaven. They want that tower to reach to heaven. You might consider it to be a tall ambition. Yes, it was indeed a tall ambition. The plan was to build a tower to reach the heavens. So let's think about that for a few seconds. Was it really possible? Was this actually possible, considering the technology of the time? Was it a reality? If we look at verse 5... The Bible tells us the Lord came down to look at this city and God was able to see that because they spoke one language, what they had begun to do, they were going to be able to achieve it. God saw it was a reality, God saw it was possible, why? Because they spoke one language. There was effective communication because when God stepped in, it was the language He confused, and the work stopped. So let's step back. Why did God step in? After all, it would have been wonderful to have his children looking at him through the tower or even come visiting if they managed to get the tower close to his footstep. Let's consider the reasons for the tower project. Why did God stop it? And that takes me to the second point, understanding purpose. The first reason that they decided to do the project was to make a name for themselves. No mention of God here. The other reason, otherwise, will be scattered over the face of the earth, which was in direct conflict to God's original plan and which he had clearly communicated to Adam in the commandment he gave him in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. And he repeated to Noah in Genesis chapter 9, verse 7, which was to fill the earth. He said, fill the earth, spread out on the earth. He didn't say, stay in one place. So in Genesis 11, verse 4, man decided to build a tower and make a name and not be scattered, which was completely opposite to God's purpose and plan. We could see both from the body language and the speech. And the tower was to reach the heavens. So for better understanding, we might want to consider what a tower was meant for in those days and time. So figuratively, towers were symbols of protection so that enemies could be sighted from afar and defense would be put in place. It was also a symbol of provision. This is complete opposite to what God once for us as Christians, because in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10, it says, The name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. But in this case, it was totally the opposite. The tower was to be their altar, their focal point, their worship. This was a total rejection of God and his purpose for man. So the questions that come up for us to consider is, what is your purpose in life? When I wake up in the morning, as each day adds up, what am I living for? Is it all about myself, me, and I? Is my sole purpose to do what God wants me? Or for some of us, it is, it's, I prefer to have no one control what I do. I prefer to do it my own way. Because I'm big enough now to make my decisions. The Creator, God, the Creator, God, created every one of us here. As far as I'm concerned, as far as I know, there's no one that dropped from the skies. The Creator created every one of us sat here, and He has a purpose for every creature He has created. If we think about the phones we have in our pockets or maybe our bags this morning, the creator of the phone had something in mind for it to do. The simple chairs we are sat on this morning was created for sitting on. By the time you start standing on it, you've abused it. I love this quote by Manis Muro, which says, where purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. So from the story, we see that man decided to fulfill their own purpose rather than God's. The people wanted to, their own tower, reach high enough to reach the heavens. So man's own plan and not God's plan is what they wanted to do. They didn't want to rely on him anymore. The tower was to be their symbol of strength. And not only that, it was all about themselves and also to prevent their scattering. They didn't want to move on with the assignment that God had given. And that brings us to the third point, the birth of diversity. We could see in the plan, it didn't work out the way they wanted because the wisdom of man amounted to nothing in the long run. Because the creator of man took charge, the language was confused and that led to the birth of the different nations that we know today the tribes, the tongues, the cultures, the very essence of diversity. But sadly, in the broken world we are in, diversity has become a weapon which man has used to push their selfish game of dominion, of superiority, of power-clinging, of power-grabbing. Just name it. Through history till today, instead of celebrating our diversity, Man has exploited this to cause wars, conflicts, genocides. Name it. Wherever we know there is chaos today, wherever we know there is loss of life today, wherever we know there is loss of peace today, our differences have been magnified rather than celebrated. Be it in the name of language, in the name of ethnicity, in the name of color, in the name of religion, even the shape of our nose. Yes, the shape of our nose has caused trouble for some places. And this all clearly points us to the need for Jesus in a badly broken world. Mother Teresa once said, If we have no peace, it's because we have forgotten that we belong to each other. They are all well one and the same. They are all well one family. The language was confused by God. And we see the first recorded mass migration to a place. And it's noteworthy that God could have stopped the work without causing a split in languages. But he did cause the split in languages. So we have the birth of the different languages and nations and then the movements. So diversity led to that movement. And we also know that movements in Bible times Led to the establishment of God's plan. God's kingdom is established by movements in the fulfillment of building his kingdom. In the New Testament, we know that the gospel was achieved through movements. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Jesus said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. The command Jesus gave was go, go to all nations. And even when the disciples decided to settle with it, persecution broke out and they had to go. We see that in Acts chapter 8 verse 1. Go means go. The gospel has to be taken across all the world through the fulfillment of the go mandates. And I'm proud to say this morning I'm a product of that go. I am a product of that go. And why? Because the gospel has gone on the wings of go, of obedience of some to that go mandate. I want to show a picture of some woman, that's my mom and, a woman called Miss Catherine Elizabeth Rissat, who coincidentally comes from Middlesex, UK, and she came with this go mandate to a remote village in Africa, 1931 to open a mission for the Church Missionary Society. My grandfather was one of his first converts, and my mom became a Christian and a midwife because of Ms. Risa's work. And thousands of other people, I would also say, were influenced with the ministry of this woman. She established a school, she established a maternity home, and she blessed the lives of many. And you can imagine, 1931, how the condition would have been as of that time. And this woman was there for many years. She saw my mom's birth, and she watched my mom grow. And this was in the 60s, when my mom came to the UK with my dad to study. Miss Rissat. This story is of particular interest to me because my mom passed away some few months, and when we were going through, we saw this picture. And it just consoled our hearts that this woman obeyed the go mandate. And we're consoled that my mom is with Miss me today. So right from that first mass movement, humans have continued to move for various reasons. And we know that there are so many upheavals today that has led people moving massively across the world. For instance, look at the conflicts in the world today. And these conflicts have been due to what would term, I would term as empire building by tyrannical authorities. This has led to mass migrations across the globe, and with these movements, nations that hitherto were closed are now open to humani- humanitarian services and supports. People who ordinarily would not have heard the gospel are now being forced to move and in a position to hear the gospel. And for us as members of Jubilee, a church that believes in and is actively and massively involved in reaching out the gospel to everyone, the message of salvation, today, coincidentally, is another opportunity to be a part of that. Because today is Regions Beyond Offering Day, an opportunity to be a part of the goal mandate in God's plans for the nation by giving towards this work. In achieving this goal mandate, we need, therefore, to embrace diversity. And it's of particular importance to us here in Jubilee because we have members from many nations. We can see the flags all around, symbolizing the members of many nations. And I'm sure if we do another update, we might need to add more flags to it. So, But I just want us to consider, what does this mean for us in Jubilee? If we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 12 to 14 and also Philippians chapter 2 from verses 2 to 15. In God's presence we are one and the same. No matter who you are, where you come from, we are the same before God and he loves us equally. And what does that mean? We are expected of God to accept each other's differences as a celebration of uniqueness. And in doing this, the Bible tells us that we should do nothing out of selfish ambition. Accepting people for who they are, treating them the same, does not mean we should look down on people, but we should accept them because before Christ, we are the same having one mind before Christ. We are to love people equally. And this meant something very... It takes me back to something that happened some few years ago. In my research project, I needed to deal with people that ordinarily I would not have dealt with. And God opened my eyes to see something. These were women that faced a condition because of where they came from and who they were. They were deprived of uh, receiving maternal services when they were in labor. And these women developed a condition called vesicovaginal fistula, which meant that they le- leaked urine uncontrollably, and they were living a life of reproach because they smelt. And some of them also had what you called—they uh, also leaked poo at the same time. So they had both urine and poo going down their legs, and it was a difficult period for this women. Because they faced stigmatization, some of them lost their homes as a result of this. And when I did this research with them, something clicked in my mind that I'm no any better than any one of this woman. I didn't choose where I was born, neither did I choose my parents. I didn't choose where I came from. And it changed my orientation in dealing with people. I am privileged to be who I am because God chose me to be that way. It's not something that I chose for myself. And it changed my orientation towards dealing with people. That I need to be appreciative of whoever is before me and not belittle anyone. We have to start practicing diversity on God's own terms. Because when He returns, the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 7, from verses 9 to 10, that we're going to stand before Him as a multitude of nations, of tribes. And we're going to be crying out in a loud voice, in a loud voice. He didn't say in loud voices, in a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So before God, before his throne, tribes, nations, and tongues, we're going to be singing one single song Salvation to our God. We sing one single song in worship because we are one in his presence. No differences. So our diversity celebrates God's greatness over every man-made wisdom and counsel. God showed that he was in control. So in conclusion, in our journey through Genesis, and the topic we consider today, it has opened our eyes again on the complete story of God's eternal plan and purpose for creating man, for creating the nations. It established the supremacy of God and his love for every single person sat here and every single nation of the world. So if you are here this morning and not yet a Christian, it's time to stop running and turn to God, your creator, in order to find a true meaning of life. And as a church jubilee for every one of us present here today from the different nations, I believe we need to seize the opportunity to lift up our voices unto God for ourselves and our nation. God has a plan for us. And God's plan As Jesus prayed, was, Let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, in line with this, I want us to be praying along three lines. I want us to be praying as individuals, I want us to pray as a nation, and I want us to pray as a church. And I would uh, want us to pray along this line for us as individuals that God will help us as Christians to continue to truly embrace one another in love. And then for us as a church, that will be united because we've seen this morning what the power of unity can be. It makes the impossible possible. So that will be united in love to demonstrate God's purpose for our city and our nations to turn to Jesus. The Bible says, By this shall all men know you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. And then the third prayer that we're going to be doing is for healing of brokenness in our nations and God's kingdom to be established across our cities, our villages. And our towns. I want to invite Sue to come forward to lead these prayers, so the three prayer points, for us as individuals that God will help us as Christians to continue to love one another in truth, so that people will want to come to Jesus, and that as a church that will be united, and for our nations, for God to heal the brokenness, and that God's kingdom be established.
2: Thank you, Hannah. That was brilliant, Hannah's word to us, and that gives us a lot of things to actually think through, think through now, think through as we continue over over the next few days, the next few weeks. But can you stand with me please? And as the band are getting ready for us to um, worship God with our voices again, I want us just to close our eyes now. And I'm simply going to ask the Holy Spirit to be revealing to us again if there's areas in our lives where we haven't lived in unity. Maybe with people in this church, maybe with, maybe with other people that you know You aren't walking rightly. Holy Spirit, I ask now that you will you will be speaking to us, you will be showing us areas where there is division. Maybe division in our words, maybe hurtful things have been said, maybe simply division in our minds. We say, Holy Spirit, will you come and will you be showing us? I thank you, Heavenly Father, that you do not simply tell us to change. You don't simply tell us to live our lives, but you give us your Holy Spirit. You give us the help, the comforter, the one that leads us into all truth. And I pray now that you will come and you will be equipping us where we have done wrong where we have thought wrong where we have spoken wrong will you come and will you will you give us the strength and the ability to seek unity to seek reconciliation and father as a church we say will you enable us to continue with um, with our walk in this city, to continue to walk, to embrace everyone, to continue to welcome and accept everyone, no matter what their age, no matter what their background, no matter what their social status, no matter whether they're male or female, no matter where in the city or in the country or in the, the world they are from. Will you enable us, Father God, as a church, to bring your love, to bring your unity, that all men may know that we are your disciples by the love that we have for one another. Amen.